0: Coming up this week, we're going to be talking about your parents and being civil to one another and how our children are our best natural resource. We'll be talking about all that and more this week on Life 101 with me, your host, Jay Jones Sr. Hello, how's everyone doing out there today? This is Jay Jones, your host, and welcome to Life 101, the show where we talk about things that are going to help you get through life. I hope everyone had a good week and an even lovelier weekend. So let's get started. I don't want to waste none of your time. Um, As someone who lost both their parents, I came to the realization the other day that if you're fortunate enough to have your parents, either or, you're indeed blessed. I lost my dad at 18, my mom at 29. And I must admit, I'm very envious of people who still have their parents, especially those who get to hang out and party with their parents. I was never able to enjoy my parents as an adult. And uh, I, I just felt like that was something I missed. I would have liked to have been able to sit down and talk with my mom and it not be a mother's son. It's just a two-adult you know situation sitting back and I must admit I was extremely jealous of my two older brothers relationship with my mom because for some reason they could sit down with her and make her laugh and just kind of put her at ease and I always wanted to have that but one thing she did give me though which she told me years ago before she passed and it was something I never forgot she said you know you got tired of my rules, you left and you didn't come back. And coming from my mother who didn't give out compliments, you know, freely, coming from her that meant well done because in essence I did what she said. I didn't want to go by her rules anymore, so I got my own. And we did, we did kind of repair our relationship once I became a parent because I begin to see things from a parent's perspective. And the one thing I must tell each and every one of you out there, parents aren't perfect. And you learn to understand that once you become a parent yourself, there are going to be things that they do that they say that you don't agree with and you don't like. But the thing of it is your parents have been where you're trying to go and you must you know, you must just sit back and take it with a grain of salt because there were many instances where, you know, my mom would let us go to sleepovers and she'd always say, I don't know anything about those people who you're trying to go hang out with. And as I got older and began to watch talk shows, you heard about a lot of people talking about how they were molested at a sleepover at a friend's house and things like that. And I just, now that I look back at it, I think my mom was just trying to save me from, you know, hurt, harm, and danger. And another thing, I used to always say when I was growing up, when my mom was issuing out the rules and the punishment, oh, I'm not going to be that way with my, with my kids and all of that. But it's one thing I discovered. If you're your child's friend, then you're not being a good job as a parent. You know, I've discovered I will be my children's friend once they're on their own and old enough to take care of themselves. But when I'm providing the food, the clothing, the shelter, et cetera, et cetera, then I'm dad and what I say goes. Like I said before, a lot of your decisions as a parent, they won't be cool and they won't be popular because I see a lot of the kids I grew up with who had the extremely progressive parents who, who did? They didn't have curfews, and you know their parents didn't get on them about their bad grades and things like that. And I see them today, some forty years later, and they're in pretty bad shape. So I look back and I'm like, well, I, I'm thank God, Mom was kind of tough. And you you may hear me make a lot of references to my mother. Well, my parents divorced when I was like uh, nine years old because my dad was an alcoholic and my mom couldn't handle it. So. She she's the reason that I'm 56 years old and I'm felony free because uh, she didn't play. She laid down the law. And the one thing I love to tell people, I was more afraid of what my mom was going to do to me as opposed to what was going to happen if I got in trouble. And I look back on that now and I am so thankful I am so blessed that I had a mother that cared enough to go upside my head because I look at these children today and that's all that's wrong with them is something a little leather wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't hurt one bit. A little leather, a little switch to that rump, you know, it, 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 it works wonders. You know, all that Dr. Spock crap, that is what it is, just crap because the way to a child's brain when they're little, is right through that hind end right there, and like I said, if you're fortunate to still have your parents and they're in reasonably good health and they can take care of themselves, you are indeed blessed. Because like I said, I used to always say, I'm not gonna do that to my children when I grow up. I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna be a cool daddy and all of that. Well, all that's out the window when you're trying to make sure they grow up to be decent people. Because part of the reason why our children are, are so astray today is because we don't have the old school parents. And my personal opinion, that 696 kids was one of the worst laws they ever put on the books because my mother lit us on fire, (laughs) really. And if if you're someone in my age group, most of our parents had a look that they could give you from across the room, and you knew that, okay, I've gotten my final warning. (laughs) I'm from that era when your parents could shake you down right in public, but it didn't kill us. It didn't hurt. Now, there is a difference between discipline and abuse. Discipline, like with my son, whenever I had to discipline him, after I got through tightening that rump up, I would wait till he got finished crying, I'd walk in there, I'd hug him, I'd give him a kiss, and I'd tell him, daddy loves you. However, I had to spank you because you were doing this, that, and a third. That's discipline when you explain to your children. And it also lets them know that, wait a minute, the last time I did that, it it was painful. So it teaches them. And it's our job, it's incumbent upon us as parents. We have to teach our children. So if you're blessed enough to still have your parents, take the time to tell them, thank you, hug them, take them out to dinner, take them out to lunch, but tell them, thank you because you don't understand until you become a parent yourself. You really, really don't understand, you know, seriously. And that's (laughs) one of my little soapbox things for the day. You know, um, just the other day I was thinking about uh, growing up many years ago and how we were taught to be respectful and compassionate to our fellow he- human beings and we were more respectful towards women and we were more respectful of ourselves and the thing of it was we went outside we played we interacted with people today kids sit around with with a with a phone or a laptop And we've lost that human interaction, and because of that, we've lost our civility. One reason I'm so proud of my Midwestern roots, and I've lived in California, and I've lived in Florida, and I've lived in New York, and I am proud to say us Midwesterners, we're a different breed. We're, we're, We're more cordial. We're more willing to talk. We're more willing to help and whatnot. And I think I love that, I love being a Midwesterner. It's just something about us because we're not trying to be New Yorkers. We're not trying to be Californians. We're trying to be Midwesterners and we're proud of it. And I really think this world would be a much better place uh, if we were more civil to each other. I mean, with this country on the verge of an unnecessary war, thanks to that incompetent individual that inhabits the White House who has a problem with the truth. What we need to be doing is being more compassionate to one another and, and and loving on one another because uh, that's really not the way bullying and berating people and, and thinking you can push people around because they're stronger than you. That's not the way to go. And, and having surrounded yourself with spineless yes men who don't know anything but to keep their heads so far up some part of the of the anatomy. That's really not going to help us. That's really not going to help us. We need to have love and compassion instead of hatred and intolerance, because this next time around, they're going to come here and bother us. And uh, that's not going to be too cool. That's, gonna be, that's really not going to be too cool. You know what I'm saying? We've replaced our love and respect with each other with hatred and bigotry. And that's, that's not the way to go, people. That is not the way to go. Because the old saying is true. United we stand. Divided we shall fall. As, I've, as you've always heard me say on more than one occasion, love and respect each other. Let's embrace our differences. Sit down and talk with somebody that's different than you. Because you know what? Our stories are all the same. You've often heard me say that we're more alike than we're different. And that's really, really the truth, y'all. You know what I'm saying? We need to stop tripping. And you're going to hear that a lot from me. And also, being an ex-military man myself, having to deal with your draft dodger in chief, you know, Sir Bone Spurs, you know, I really don't think we need to be bullying and being brash to people because the thing of it is, wars not only hurt the soldiers and the sailors and the Marines and the Air Force personnel and the Coast Guard personnel, it only, it doesn't just affect them, it affects their families. Children have to grow up without mothers and fathers, and I bet you a dime to a donut. If a lot of these spineless jellyfish that inhabit our Congress, that inhabit our Senate, and that inhabit 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, if their children were tasked to go to the front lines and fight when they declared these unnecessary wars and conflicts, I'll bet you we'd be more about diplomacy and negotiation then. But because their children don't have to, they feel like, well, what the hey? And I just really don't agree with that. That's my opinion. Why don't you tell me yours? Hit me back on my Facebook page, Mr. J. Look for the classic red 1970 Coupe DeVille Cadillac convertible. Hit me back and tell me what you feel about our civility. And tell me what you think we need to do to get back to that little spot where we used to be at. Excuse me. <clears throat> you know, I was just sitting here also thinking about how far I've come in my life. As I've told you once before, you know, I I had the traditional, you know, Hollywood kind of upbringing. I had the alcoholic father. You know, my mother raised seven children with a welfare check and life wasn't always good. But the thing of it is that struggling burned a fire in me to make sure that I I didn't ever struggle again. And one thing I do from time to time is I go back to all my old neighborhoods. I, I drive through my old neighborhoods just to remember where I came from. And it keeps me grounded because the thing is, no matter how far you go in life, don't ever, ever forget where you came from. Don't ever. When we lived in California, my late wife once asked me, she said, you know, we're doing real well out here. How come whenever you talk to your family or your parent or your mom, you we just do you make it like we're just doing OK. And I told her, I said, baby, you have to be humble because if you get too big for your britches, God is listening and he will break you down. He, he will, you know, take you off that pedestal that you've put, put yourself on. And like I say, driving through my old neighborhoods, it, it just, it motivates me. It makes me thankful. It makes me thankful to where I am now. Because as I've told you before, I know what it is to have the lights off, the gas off. I know what it is to, to open the refrigerator and there's nothing there. You know, my late sister uh, Elaine Michelle Jones Taylor. She used to joke when we talk about it. She say, "Jay, most people think being hungry is missing is missing lunch and it's dinner time. Now that's not hungry. Hungry is when it's been a day or two since you've had something to eat. So, be thankful. Don't ever forget where you where you come from. I remember not always having adequate clothing or shoes." I remember the ridicule I I received from my classmates. And the funny thing is, where one would think I would be bitter towards them, I'm so grateful because I was so determined to make sure that my children would not be subjected to the taunts and ridicule that I went through. And it really, it, it, it really came in handy when my children were born because I looked at my children and I said, they are not going to go through what I went through. You know, seriously. And to, to accomplish that goal for over 20 years, I worked both a full-time job and a part-time job. And like I said, I did it because I was determined. I was determined. See, the way I look at it, you're either sitting on your rump or you're getting up doing what you have to do. And, of, and, and always, 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 always have faith. Have your faith in God. And, and, and you'll be able to accomplish just about everything you want to accomplish. Sometimes when my children are eating, they'll see me look at them and I have a weird smile on my face. And they'll be like, is everything okay, Daddy? And I'll tell them, no, I just like to watch you children eat. Because it's just that it makes me feel like I've accomplished something. Because the worst thing I, I cannot stand to hear a man or a woman say is, well, my childhood was was messed up. They'll be okay. That is so weak. That is so cop outish And I don't live like that. So always remember, people, never, ever, ever, ever forget where you came from. Because if you forget where you come from, then you're not going to know where you're going. And that's just real. That is just the real. You know, uh, this past weekend, I was... Looking at the number of shootings, and you've heard me talk about this before. It seems like, you know, every, every weekend, every day, you hear about the number of people that are being shot or be, being on the want, most wanted list and all of that. And I started to ask myself uh, is tougher gun laws really going to be the answer? And I don't think so. Because I really believe that we've got to do some drastic things to stem this tide of gun violence. And first of all, we've got to create alternatives. We've got to create more jobs with adequate pay where people can take care of themselves. Because believe me, if you've got a job that's paying you at least $15 an hour, the last thing you're going to be thinking about is out in the street. Somewhere when I can be at home resting, getting ready to go, go to work the next day to take care of my home, especially if you're making decent money. And another thing we have to stop doing is stop celebrating thuggish behavior. Stop glorifying this gangster mentality. Stop making it seem like that's something you want your children to emulate. You know what I'm saying? Personally, controlling this shoot-em-up mentality, that's just genocide. It it really is. It's genocide. Like I've once told my children, on TV, when you see all of this, shoot them up. As soon as the director says, cut, it's a wrap. That person that's been shot, he gets up, he takes off his little jacket that was made to blow up and all of that, and he goes home. But that's not what's happening in real life. And when you're in, in that courtroom and you've been convicted and you're sentenced to life in prison without parole, After the director says cut, he takes that jumpsuit off and all of that. And here's something else I want you guys to think about. These rappers... And these, these, these thugs that are, that are portrayed on TV, believe me, when they go in those boardrooms, they're not going in those boardrooms with their pants sagging. They're not going in them boardrooms with 30,000 chains on, hat on backwards, and talking like they don't have no sense. That's crap. They are suited and booted just like their lawyers. We've got to educate our children that this is not the type of life you want to live. And you've heard me say this to my son before. I said, Jay, don't you think if there was something to this thug mentality and it was profitable, don't you think daddy would be doing it instead of working two jobs six and seven days a week? And he looked at me, and said, you know, you're right, daddy. Educate our sons and daughters. Let them know that they are better than that and they deserve better than that. That's just real. That is just real. Let our children know that they've got better things to look forward to. It's not going to be easy. It's not, it's, it's, it's not going to be a walk in the park. But guess what? We've got to take the time to let our children know there's more to life than being shot up and acting crazy. And on that note, I've got to say, I was th- I was talking with my fiance Dee Williams the other day, and we were talking about how the Ohio lottery was supposed to be this beneficial uh, cash cow for, for our state education coffers. And I came to find out the little bit of money that we get from the lottery is, is not even 10%. And that was only in place for X number of years and now everything is back to the state house and what really bothers me is the fact that they're cutting extracurricular programs things that, things that kids can do to keep children off the streets and by cutting these programs that's the difference between losing our children to the street and personally I feel like we're letting our children down because you know what people our children are our most valuable natural resource our children are our future you got to remember that people each and every day that you and I wake up we're getting another day older and we're going to hand this world off to our children and we're not having we're not adequately preparing them for this world. I had a lieutenant when I was in the Navy that used to always say, pay me now or pay me later. And you know what? We better start tending to our children now because we're going to need them later. And if, and if they're not adequately prepared to not only take care of themselves, how are they going to take care of us? You know, I mean... Our schools have got to be a priority. I mean, it's amazing to me, and, and you've heard me say this before, you know, these CEOs, these big corporations, thanks to our incompetent in chief, who gave, role gave them these big tax cuts, which they haven't applied to you and me, John Q. Public, Mr. Middle Class. They, ha- they haven't done anything to help us. You know what I'm saying? And, and to pay for all these, Tax cuts that he's giving these wealthy corporations, he's going to cut the programs that are beneficial to us, beneficial to our children. Our children are going to inherit this earth, people. We've got to make sure we take care of them. Why do you think they're adopting this gangster and thug mentality? Because they feel like we have nothing else. We have to give our children other avenues. We have to give our children a reason to feel happy. We've got to give our children a reason to want to get up and keep striving. And also, as you heard me say earlier, we've got to stop being our children's friends. We've got to be their parents. We've got to guide them through these roadblocks and and, and setbacks and detours that are going to affect them in this life. And if we don't do that, we can't complain about young folks because we've done nothing to make them feel like they matter. And guess what, people? We can't complain if we're not doing nothing to make the situation better. I bet, you know, the funny thing to me is senators, congressmen, you know, state senators and what have you, they never vote to take pay cuts. They they never vote to say, okay, we're going to we're going to each we're going to each and every one of us are going to take a five or 10 percent pay cut to help our various districts. They always vote themselves raises regardless of how their constituents are living. Wake up, people. Wake up. We're frittering away our most valuable of resource. And what do we do in the process? We complain. We be and moan about, well, these children. Well, like I said, what other options do they have? When I was growing up, there was the PAL, the Police Athletic League. There was YMCA and YWCA's. There were Boys and Girls Clubs. <clears throat> they had all kind of extracurricular programs after school to do to give our children other things to do. We had parents and neighbors that watched over you like a hawk. I'm old enough to remember when, when, when the neighbor down the street could shake your broom out and they took you home with, with your ear in their hand and told your parents why they did it. And you got another one. We got to start taking charge again, people. And guess what? You're going to hear this from me again and again and again and again. I've always told both my children growing up how deep I put my hand in my pocket depends on how well you're doing in school. Because I always told them school was your job and it's my job to take care of you and go to work. But if you're not doing your job, I am not going to reward you. And there's a 13-year age difference between my children. But every time I go to a parent and teacher conference for my daughter now, they tell me the exact same thing they used to tell me about my son. We're so glad to have him in class, and I wish I had more because I made raising my children a priority. And people, I'm no better than you. I get up some mornings and don't feel like going to work. I look at those bills that I have to pay and think about, wow, you know, what about me? But guess what? Like Lieutenant Towns said, pay me now or pay me later. Cause guess what? At some point, (laughs) you are going to pay. So you might as well do it now so you can sit back and relax. That's enough of my preaching about our children. You should take it seriously as me. Because guess what? You're going to hear this from me again and again and again and again. You know, one other thing I love to talk about. If you're not happy with your lot in life, do something to make your life what you want it to be. Stop sitting around complaining, stop sitting around whining, stop making excuses, get up off your rump. I remember reading a bumper sticker on the car one time. It said the best way to get back on your feet is get up off your rump. And that's true. You have to do what's necessary to make your life what you want it to be. Earlier, I I alluded to the fact that I worked two jobs. Well, I did it because it was necessary, because I wanted my children and my family to live a certain way. And you have to do what? is necessary. Like you always hear me say, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. It's not caviar and honey. But guess what? Life is a bank. If you don't put nothing in, you can't take nothing out. Seriously. And the easiest thing in the world to do is quit. I remember while I was attending the Ohio Media School, I was doing that and still working my 12 hour shifts. And there were, there were, there were on more than one occasion, many days I felt like packing it in, but I thank God that there was something in me that would not let me quit. I just said, I had to see this through. I just, I just don't want to give up. Plus I didn't want my children to think it's okay to quit because once you start quitting, it's easy for you to keep on quitting. You know, during my first year when I was in the ABC program, back when I was 15 years old, I remember telling my sister-in-law, I said, you know, I'm getting homesick, I miss home, and I want to come home. And my sister-in-law, she looked at me, and she told me something that I still remember to this day, 40 years later. She said, Jay, the easiest thing in the world to do is quit. And if you quit now, you'll be, you'll continue to quit and you'll always want to quit. I remember at my OMS graduation, my fiancee Dee told me, she said, you know, Natalia, she looked at you and she said, dad is very, very happy. And yes, I was because I saw it all the way through and I finished. And the way I look at it, you're either talking about it or you are being about it. One or the other, you know, you either talking about what you're going to do or you're out there doing it. And the only person that can stop you is you. Nobody else. Oh, the teachers don't like me and I don't like my classmates. That's crap. Ola, you, the easiest thing in the world to do is make excuses, people. The easiest, you hear me, oh, whan, wah, wan woe is me. Stop it. Stop it. And stop complaining because you see your buddy doing well. Because guess what? They've got up off their kind parts to make their life what they wanted it to be. And there's one other thing that just chaps my backside. I can't stand to hear people say it. Brothers, oh, the white man ain't going to let you do this, that, or the other. That is the biggest, weakest, the sorriest cop-out. And whenever I hear that in the conversation, as far as I'm concerned, the conversation is over. Because the only person stopping you is yourself. I tell my children all the time. When they come home, they've had a test or whatever else. Daddy, I took a test today. I asked them one question. I said, did you do your best? Did you try your hardest? Yes, daddy. Well, I'm okay then. That's all. Do your best. Try your hardest. If you don't succeed or if your children don't succeed, it's nobody's fault but your own. Stop making excuses. Live your life to the fullest. Go after that brass ring and keep reaching. If you reach for one and don't get it, don't stop. Life is like a bus. If you miss an opportunity here, wait on the next opportunity. And then don't wait. Go make it happen. Go make it happen, people. The easiest thing in the world to do is make excuses. I can't say that enough because at the end of my life, I want to look back at my life and have no regrets. I don't want to be, oh, I should have did this. I should have did that. You know, no, 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 no. Live life to the fullest. That's real. And give me some feedback on that, people. Hit me up on my Facebook page. Mr. J. Once again, look for the classic red 1970 Cadillac Coupe DeVille convertible. And tell me what you think. You know, after witnessing this past week the stressful situations that our troops have put in, excuse me, have been put in, thanks to the incompetent and, and cowardly inhabitant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, one who has never donned a uniform for this country, but chooses to put our troops in, high, excuse me, in harm's way, along with the spineless jellyfish around him who've abandoned their convictions, their principles, and their courage and just go along with them so they can get a pat on the back. We should be doing much better by our veterans. We should be taking better care of our veterans. You know, it, 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 it sickens me that some of our veterans are homeless, it sickens me that some of our veterans don't get the adequate medical care that they deserve. It sickens me that our veterans, after putting their lives on the line for this country, for the freedoms that a lot of people take for granted, it sickens me that they have to struggle when they come back here. And, and I just don't understand it. As a former vet myself, you don't know from one minute to the next whether or not you're gonna live or die. And fortunately for me, I was in the Navy during peacetime. But one time, we were off the coast of Panama and we, we went to battle stations and it wasn't a drill. And I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, if this is how I got to go, then well, so be it. But that's pretty harrowing, not knowing from one minute to the next whether or not you're going to live or die. And the thing of it is, we're being put in these situations by people who don't know what it is to wear the uniform, who don't know what it is to serve. Wake up, people. Where's your courage and where's your conviction? There is no reason for... Our government to be cutting disability programs, social security programs, food stamp programs that benefit our military, our former military. I can only imagine, you know, dodging roadside bombs and, and, and being shot at, and, and, and not knowing from one minute to the next is a sniper waiting on top of a building to take to take you out. Our veterans should have free medical care. Our veterans should have some place to stay. Our veterans should be able to have access to college so they can make their lives a little better because after all, they put their lives on the line so you can turn over and fart in your bed at night and not worry, you know what I'm saying? The people that have bled, sweated, and paid the ultimate sacrifice for this country should not be neglected. They should not be neglected. I remember on the campaign trail, our incompetent in chief had the had the nerve to mock a family whose son gave his life for this country. Come on now, a- and people just look the other way. That that's just that just don't make that don't make sense to me. That don't make sense to me. I mean, hey, if we took all the money that he spent going to the golf course, which is in the tune of $340 million, our veterans and and our downtrodden people would be in a much, much better place. And you know how we rectify that situation, people? Vote, vote. If if, If the people we vote in office don't wanna do what we want them to do, vote them out and get people that will. Because like I said, it, 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 is, it, is, it just burns me up that our veterans are suffering. It burns me up that our veterans are asking you for a little change. Unless you've been on the front lines, unless you've donned a uniform, you don't have a clue the stress and strain that our brothers go through that donned them uniforms. They deserve, our brothers and sisters in them uniforms, deserve to be treated much, much better than they're being treated. And for anybody that's got their head in the sand about that, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Most countries, you don't have a choice to dodge the draft or whatnot. Most countries in the Middle East, it's a requirement. Once you reach a certain age that you're obligated to serve. You're obligated. You have no choice in the matter. Wake up, people. Take care of those that have taken care of you. Because I know what it is to serve, and I know what it is to be in an area where your life may be put online. And it's not happy. And guess what? Our families suffer. Our families suffer. Children grow up without mothers. Children grow up without fathers. Children come home and see their parent missing a leg or an arm. Children grow up seeing their parents dealing with post-traumatic stress. And they're wondering, how come daddy or mommy don't show me the love that they used to show me? Because their mind is scrambled. Because they've been in an area where they had to worry from one minute to the next. Treat our veterans much better, people treat our children, excuse me, treat our veterans much better because they, they, they served and they were willing to pay the ultimate price so you could have the life that you do. Don't ever forget it. Freedom is not free. Freedom comes with a cost. Last night, my fiancee Dee and I, we attended the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. tribute concert at Severance Hall. And that was my first time going, and I was completely blown away. I just thought it was magnificent. And what I really loved was what I always talk about, the diversity of the audience. It, it was a melting pot. The diversity of the orchestra, all these different colors together, making beautiful music, making beautiful song, it, it was just, it, it, it was a sight to behold. And guess what, people? We need to be that way in this world. Let's all blend together and make this world a place to be. Make, make our country the country where people swim and, and, and give their lives trying to come to. There's, there's a reason for that. There is a reason for that, and we need to wake up because collectively, we are awesome. You know, these, far, these fringe groups, these militias and all of that, no, that's not the way to go, people. You know, I've always taught my children green, silver, gold, and platinum. Those are the colors, and that's what Dr. King alluded to. You know what I'm saying? Everybody being able to sit down at the table as one. Everybody being able to sing and make a joyful noise. It was so, so beautiful. And the thing of it is, people, we need to live this way 365 days a year. Not on just particular holidays. Not at certain times of the year. We need to live this way every day. That's what's going to make this country great. That's what makes this country great is our diversity. And that's something else you're going to hear me talk about a lot because that's life. That's life. And like, a, like you heard me say before, if the only flavor of ice cream that there was was vanilla, that would get so boring. If we didn't have no chocolate, no Rocky Road, no strawberry, you know, it would be boring. If we all looked alike and we all act alike, that would be boring. That's what makes this country rock and roll like it do. Our diversity, our differences, and being able to accept one another in, despite of our differences. That's what's so cool. That's what's so cool. Remember that people, you're shortchanging yourself because you you look at somebody that looks different than you. Don't shortchange yourself. Don't shortchange your children. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Be a cog in this wheel of life that keeps it turning. Don't be a stump. Don't be a roadblock that stops it from turning. Like I said, people, in this life, it's what you make it. And if you're not happy in this life, it's nobody's fault but the man in the mirror. All day long, it's nobody's fault. You could either learn to live life or don't. Those are your choices. That's really real. Either live this life and get with the program or don't. Because life is gonna pass you by if you stuck on some dumb stuff. Because people are waking up now. Let's, let's learn to practice Dr. King's tenets of love and, and compassion and judging people by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin and how they look. You never know, reach out to that person. You may have a friend for life. And that's real. I'd like to thank my dude, Tommy Tommy D, nerd extraordinaire for keeping me online with you guys. And as usual, I'd like to thank my lovely fiance, Miss D Williams, my two children, Jay Jones II and Natalia Desiree. I thank you all because you guys are my inspiration. Shout out to Bishop Eric Kincaid Clark, and his first lady, Pastor Lenore Clark. Shout out to Pastor Gloria Cheney of the Church of the Master. Shout out to Pastor Emeritus, Bishop Jack Spencer, and his first lady, Missionary Rachel Spencer, and their son, Pastor Elder Daniel Spencer, and his wife, Jasmine Spencer. Much love to you all. Thank you all for tuning in. And I'll see you the same time next week. Hollow at me on Mr. J. Take care now. Peace.